Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Today on the podcast, my guest is Larry Williamson. Larry is a business leader, author, and consultant who has spent a lifetime working in organizations and helping build effective leaders and teams. One of the most important things he focuses on is relationships. He believes there is power in building strong relationships, and I'm excited to get his perspective on how this can help all of us as leaders. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Larry Williamson. Larry is the founder of Anchored Value Coaching and Consulting, where he helps businesses, executives, and people find balance and improve relationship. He's also the author of Successful Relationships, Sharing Simple Behaviors That Bring Results. Larry understands the importance of relationships when it comes to leading people, and I'm excited to get his unique perspective today. So, Larry, welcome. John, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. So tell us about your background and how you got into the coaching and consulting business. Okay. And, and it was, as most things happen, sometimes it was really by accident. I had, uh, out of graduate school, I did an internship with a pharmaceutical company um, in Greenville. As a matter of fact, uh, Burroughs Welcome at that time. Okay. And during that time, I was hired right after I did a performance appraisal system as part of uh, as part of my internship. And while I was there, I had formed the first chapter of uh, Quality Circles, which was an employee involvement program. So from the start, I've always been very interested in reactions of people and how we approach things and what we do. From there, I went over to uh, Merck for about five years and was involved in opening the plant in Wilson and then also in Puerto Rico. And then I was had the opportunity to go with a company out of Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And this was one of the most people-focused organizations I'd ever seen in my life. Mm. The philosophy of the founder was, and the saying that we always had was, we believe in people. And all of this really attracted me to the organization. While there, I was in human resources, and I was involved in a lot of different tasks and a lot of different programs. I had a tremendous amount of exposure. One of the things I did out of many, I was a crisis coordinator. I was a publisher of a magazine. I did a lot of different things, but I was involved in leadership development. Mm. And it was during that time that my current boss asked me about going into coaching. Mm. I was unaware of coaching at the time. And I actually spent about a year looking for a spirit-based program, one that I thought fit my own philosophies and so forth. I found that. I did a, what would often take three to four years. I did it in about one year mm. and became a master certified life coach. I went on from there. And once I get involved in something, I have a tendency to 
uh, go deep. Okay. Uh, so I became a master certified coach for the International Coach Federation. At that time, there was about 315 in the world. So it was an earlier aspect of coaching. I've been doing this for a long time. Hmm. And then as another organization again, and I became board certified in coaching as well. So I did a lot of internal coaching. I worked as an internal coach within organizations for a number of years. And because I wanted to avoid even a, a, uh, any kind of vision of conflict of interest, I would not take on any clients in any state we operated. Mm. And one time, that would include five states. So I had the opportunity, as I began to create my own business, Anchored Values, was to coach individuals across the country, across the world, and it gave me an opportunity to gain insight into a lot of different approaches and a lot of different perspectives. So I kept notes. Um, my wife and I sat down one day and and Carolyn and I went through all these notes and I had probably an inch, inch and a half stack of single space lines of things I had worked with. And we divided it into uh, parenting, into relationships, into so forth, and a number of different topics. And that's really the foundation of my book on relationships. Mm. I was always involved in relationships. And as I got more involved, I began to look back over some of my early coaching training. And it was interesting for, to discover <laughs> serendipitously there, if you would, that um, back when I was asked to form a, uh, or to talk about a coaching model that might fit mine, mine was actually titled The Relationship. Mm. coaching model so it all kind of tied together got me here where i am today yeah yeah i hope that's not too much no it's great because i think what you're saying is that um you know you you came into you know the business the world of business you know in, in the case of you know the pharmaceuticals big big business right and then uh and but you always saw the one thread in there and it's about relationships and about um and that's how business gets done. And I think sometimes Absolutely. we forget that as leaders, right? So we think that business is all about our strategic plans and all about, um, you know, our, our, our five-year goals, all about our P&L statement, our balance sheet, but really how, how business gets done is relationships, correct? Absolutely. You know, and I don't remember, there's a lot of quotations over the years I've picked up, but and I, and I wish I could go back and credit them where they all fit. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that one day. But the thing, it, it's a common thing that you heard that leaders get things done with and through other people. Mm. We don't do things in isolation. We don't do things by ourselves. Right, right. There's few things that we accomplish solely by ourselves. It is typically with other people. Mm. And you're really good leaders recognize and appreciate that mm. and their focus on people and the growth of the individuals that when I begin to really look at that, I know that that growth is going to ignite my business mm. because it is about relationships, whether it's relationship with me and a direct report or my direct report and a customer or anything else. Mm. As you and I've talked before that, um, you know, the nature of the beast as human beings, we have a tendency to complicate things far mm. more than they need to be. Right. And I don't believe in that. I believe in the most simplest approach there is. 
uh, and what we do. And when you begin to break it down, relationships are relationships. They're involved in everything we do. Mm. Interesting. You know, it's one thing I see sometimes is that uh, many leaders like to take a cookie cutter approach to leadership, right? So they say, everybody's going to do the, do things the same way, and everyone's going to act the same way. But, you know, we were talking earlier how every every person is different. Everybody yes. has from a different uh, background. We have different biases. We have different, um, we've had different things in our lives that have affected how we uh, how we deal with change, how we deal with direct orders, how we deal with, um, you know, stress. So um, yeah. talk to me a little bit about that, how, how, uh, how relationships uh, are affected by our biases or our filters that we have. <laughs> that is such a great and such an important point because we are, in fact, influenced by our biases, we approach things from a different perspective. And the reality of it is that everyone is different. You know, that the differences between us, while they may represent potential sources of conflict, they are in reality our greatest source of strength. Mm. But I think in order to do that, we've got to do three things. One, we acknowledge and accept the fact that we are different. We come from different areas. We've got different perspectives. We've got different religions. We've got all these things. But if I acknowledge and accept the fact that we're different, then the next step is, number two, I want to understand these differences. Mm. If I want to understand the difference between you and I, the first thing I need to understand is self. Why do I do the things I do? Why do I say the things I do? Once I begin to really get that understanding of self, then I'm going to try to begin to understand you. Why do you do the things you do? Why do you approach things a certain way? Once I get that done, I go to the third step, and that's now a true appreciation for those differences. Mm. Because you see things differently, because you're going to provide different input, then that only strengthens me. Mm. You're going to see things that I'm going to miss. So. The differences between us, no, it's not cookie cutter. We're not, we, if we approach everyone the same way, we're going to run into problems. Mm. When you think about, I used to ask this, the participants in leadership classes, uh, and these were leaders and managers and so forth, and I asked them, can you motivate someone else? And if I ask that question, typically someone is going to say, or a lot of people are going to say, well, yes. How many times have you heard, John, people talk about motivating someone else? But motivation comes from within. Mm. It's based on needs. So only my needs motivate me, and only your needs motivate you. Mm. If I try to motivate you, I'm going to do it with a certain closed-minded perception. Well, that may work with some people, but it's not going to work with others. And if it doesn't work with others, then I might have a tendency to blame them for not being committed are not wanting to follow up when in reality, I wasn't speaking their language. Mm. Right, right. So part of leadership, you know, as I talk about, there's, um, you know, there's there's three elements to leadership. It's, it's people, there's a goal, and then there's motivation or how do you motivate the individual? And what you're talking about is really interesting is that the leader doesn't motivate the people, but the leader creates motivation within the people. Right. Yes, so, they, so they create they, an environment. 
mm-hmm. where the individual motivates themselves. Oh man, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So you're you're trying to create the conditions where the that employee is is excited and they're doing it for their own selfish reasons or their own personal reasons, but they're motivated personally, not so much because of something you said. It's because of how they feel and how it helps what they want to do in their lives, right? Yes. It is, you know, when we think about Warren Bennis had a quote, leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. Mm -hmm. Well, again, the individual, the top leader of an organization may even get credited for doing that, but they didn't do that within themselves. Right. They're creating that vision. They're sharing that vision with people. They're helping to to create that environment where that individual gets excited about it. Mm. And we all are committed to that same goal of accomplishing things. That's how an organization moves ahead. Mm. And we, it's, it's easy to overlook that. Oh, that's great. You know, you were talking about um, that, and I like what you're talking about in terms of that we all are different. Part of what we have to do is accept it and understand, right, that people are different. They come into things differently. But that's a problem with leadership I see sometimes, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that, is that sometimes leaders don't want those people that um, are different or have different opinions. They want, there are some leaders that want yes men surrounded by people that just think the way they think and act the way they want them to act. And uh, in my experience and all the years I've led is I don't want that. That's actually destructive to an organization. But absolutely. Why do you think some some leaders want to surround themselves with people that see things the way they do versus wanting to have that diverse uh, group of experiences to try to get the best results or the best answers? If, if I was to narrow it down one word, it would be insecurity. Mm. We all have our own insecurities, every single one of us, Mm. some more pronounced than others. Leaders oftentimes who want only people that don't challenge them, they want to follow their way. It it very well could be. I'm not saying it is, but it could be that they're insecure. So they want people who are going to prove themselves right. They want somebody who makes me you know, it's like I want somebody that makes me feel good about me mm-hmm. and why I'm doing something and where we're going. And sometimes they're successful even in spite of themselves. Mm-hmm. However, if we, you know, that we look, there's a there's a quote that I have in, in my book, Successful Relationships, and it's I form my own personal belief or opinion about something or someone. Once this opinion is formed, I look for things to prove myself right. Mm. The more I look for something, the more I'm going to see it. The more I see it, well, it just proves I was right all along. Mm. And we can see this throughout several examples today that people will only voice an opinion of something they already believe in. Mm. And that's something these leaders do. They look for people who are going to prove them right. Mm. And someone who has to feel that they're right all the time is closed to growth mm. and they're closed to getting to that next level themselves. Wow. That's really powerful. Really important. So let me go just to take a step back a little bit. Um, relationships. I love that uh, this has been your focus. I want to talk about your book here in a second, but um, 
you know, uh, I my experience, my early experience was on a submarine, right? Uh, I was an officer on a submarine, and we were in these tight confines of a of a of a boat for eighty days at a time, right? And you had no choice. <laughs> but to build relationships <laughs> with the people that you worked for, that worked for you, and that you were your peers, right? Because you spent countless hours together uh, in this very artificial environment, right? So for me, relationships have always been important from day one. And so when yes. I came into the corporate world, it was natural for me to form relationships. So why do you think it's uh, maybe... Why do you think that we we miss out on that sometimes as leaders, or we don't think we don't put it importance in the idea of relationships, and and may or maybe even some stories of where people are doing a really good job with developing those relationships, but but I do see it's missing in corporate America. Most um, leaders I work with only cared about the bottom line; they didn't necessarily care about the people that got the bottom line. You know, in, in business, in, in John, first and foremost, uh, from one veteran to another, thank you for your service. Oh, and you as well. I, I appreciate that. And um, when we think about business and we think about relationships, what becomes important? Why does a company, privately held company, and the company I was with was privately held, they're in their, um, gosh, third, fourth generation now. Wow. And when you look at the statistics, an organization that goes from one generation to the next, to the next, and so forth, it, it that is, or that lies within kind of what you're talking about. When we look at relationships, when we're looking, when we're looking at people, they always said that people join organizations, they leave people. Mm. When short-term versus long-term effectiveness mm. and success. If I'm focused on some of the things that you're talking about, I may be able to do that for short periods of time. But those are organizations who are constantly changing leaders. If you lose people, usually it's the best people that you lose first. Mm -hmm. And why do you lose lose people? Because they don't feel appreciated. Mm. They don't feel valued. They don't trust in the organization. There's a real movement right now, and I think it is – an effect of some of the things that you're talking about. When I was when I was an HR executive, it was we were very proud of the fact that our turnover rates were probably gosh 25 percent of what another company of the same type might be. Why? Because of the way we treated and valued people. Mm. When people don't feel valued, that's one of the impacts is that they begin to leave the companies. Mm. Again, when I was growing up, you went out, you found the company, and if you found the right company, you pretty well stayed with that company through a career. Right, right, right. The average turnover right now for young people is about two years. Mm. Why? Because so many organizations don't value the people. Interesting. And they know that. So with our newer generations, and my son, who is also in HR, and he's the one to help me understand this, and he's going, well, you know, but that's just not the way it is anymore. He said, if I find somebody that within two years, when when I was looking at our resumes and applications, anybody less than two years, I didn't really care about looking at them any longer. Right, right. And that has become more of a normal. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with the treatment of people in the organizations. The people do not feel that organizations are committed to them, and therefore they are not committed to the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and the statistics prove it out, right? Seventy percent of employees are disengaged at work, and right. um, and it, as a, you know, it's it's likely, and and I argue that one of the causes of that is you know disengaged management. So leaders who are not engaged with their people create employees who are not engaged with their company or engaged with their leaders. So you have uh, neither side is committed, right? I think that's what you're saying too. Is there isn't no. there isn't uh, there isn't a commitment for the long term with the way bosses treat employees and the way employees look at their careers, right? They're looking to go to the next place that maybe might treat them with respect, right? Exactly. You know, that a lot of the organizations like that, unfortunately, or I'm fortunate one employee, but uh, they do invest in profits. They do invest in growth and goals, but they've also got to invest in the development of their people. Hmm. And when you've got a, um, short-term success and boards, and they're only looking at short-term profits and some of those things. And again, not all organizations are like that. I want to state that. Right. Um, then that's going to be the result. When you look at those long-term impacts and those long-term results in companies that really grow, that's that's I think has a lot to do with the focus on the people. Mm. Yeah. So, so I like that what you talked about, the short-term focus versus a long-term focus. And I think we do have a lot, at least I saw it in corporate America, a lot of short-term managers. So they're brought in to give a quick turnaround. We need a quick turnaround. Yes. So you come in Absolutely. And, and so they'll, you know, they, they said this, you know, my way, the highway, this is the way we're going to do it. If you don't like it, quit. And they fire good people, people leave and they create turmoil and chaos. And then what I usually saw is that boss ends up getting fired because they've, they can't get the results that way. So, you know, they come in like a bull in the China shop and eventually, you know, upper management lets them go because they've ruined what was probably a good culture, but needed, you needed stronger leadership, not, not a short-term leader, you needed a long-term leader. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think that has um, happened too many times. I remember, you know, I told you that I had um, with quality circles, and this was back, my gosh, you know, late 70s and so forth, an employee involvement program. And one of the sayings that we used to kind of make fun of, well, okay, now that you're hired, you come to work, just leave your brains at the door. You're not going to need them while you're here. I'm going to tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and everything else. So don't even worry about thinking. Just leave your brain out there and come on in and just do everything I tell you. And that was actually a joke back then because we were poking fun at organizations like that and how we end up creating more organizations like that, I think has to do with some of this short-term turnaround process. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. In fact, if you want to be, you know, you want to have a really dynamic organization, you want every employee to bring their whole selves to the company, right? Their brains, their yeah. hands, their ideas, their creativity, their past experiences. You want all that. And a, and a good leader, and I like what you talked about earlier, that sometimes it's an insecure leader that doesn't want to have that diverse, those diverse opinions around them, right? They they yes. want to have, you know, you guys, you need to do it my way. And uh, But I think if you embrace that everyone's different and everyone has those ex- different experiences, 
and you have those personal relationships with the people that work for you, you're going to gain so much. Uh, you know, I always say the collective wisdom of a team is better than one micromanager. And, Absolutely. Uh, and every time I've seen that, and uh, at least in my experience, it's funny, the older I get, the less I know when it comes to business. <laughs> it's it's so a remarkable thing. <laughs> so, that boy, It's interesting you say that because I've used the quotation many times when I come up with that. The more I learn, the less the more I realize how little I know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that is the same with leaders. Rather than being fearful of asking for help, we the humbleness, humbleness of, of people, you've got to be transparent. It's it's not a weakness to ask for help. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Deep Leadership is brought to you by Strikeforce Energy. Strikeforce Energy is a veteran-owned company founded by a Navy SEAL, and their products are all made in the USA. Strikeforce Energy is a liquid flavor pack that you can add into any beverage. It has zero calories, zero carbs, and zero sugar. Each pack contains 80 milligrams of caffeine. Strikeforce Energy is offering a discount to all the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to strikeforceenergy.com and enter the discount code I have the watch, one word, for a 20% discount on every order. Deep Leadership is also brought to you by my Amazon best-selling book, I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following. This book is filled with 23 short stories on how you can become a more effective leader. It's super easy to read and most people finish it in less than two hours. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and click the large orange button for signed copies. Enter the discount code IHaveTheWatch, one word, at checkout for 20% off your order and domestic shipping is always free. And this is, you talk about in relationships and your permission, I want to just share an example sure. of, of how one of those things came about. And this was a blog I wrote back in 2015 and it dealt with the situation early, early on. And um, it had to do with my son and daughter. And again, they're both grown now, but it was during a very stressful time in my life. I was going through some difficult uh, opportunities there. And I knew that I was creating a lot of stress. When we are, we think about our behaviors affect more than just us. Mm. It affects our teams. It affects our people. In this case, it was affecting the relationships with my children. And one day, um, I, I just remember sitting down at the top of the steps and having a discussion with my son and my daughter. And at that time, Again, she was probably around five and he was about nine years of age and in their 30s, uh, getting upper 30s now. And as we sat there, I told them that I realized how I was acting. That's the transparent. Okay, well, I'm, I'm messing up here. And it was not the way that I wanted to behave. So I, I needed to ask for their help in me making a change. And the way I would do this was this. Whenever you see me being abrupt, snapping in my communications, or behaving in a way that is upsetting, I want you to do me a favor. Get my attention, look me in the eye, and ask me this question. Daddy, are you behaving in a way that you're trying to set an example for me to follow? Mm -hmm. 
Well, the first one to call me on that was my daughter, and I think she enjoyed every bit of it. <laughs> um, when she saw me acting that way one time, she jumped on it. She was excited about it, and she got my attention, and she looked at me and um, asked me that question point blank. Daddy, are you trying to set an example for me to follow? And it stopped me dead in my tracks. I don't mind telling you, it hit me hard. And looking down at her little smile and seeing those shining eyes, I responded that no, I was not. And I sincerely thanked her for bringing it to my intention. What an impact that had on me. The truth of the matter is that sometimes we're the last ones to see our own, to see our own behavior. Mm. Asking for help and input is not a weakness. I used to ask leaders all the time, you know, and one of the things that I followed in that was, are you setting the example you would want others to follow? Mm -hmm. And I remember asking people in class, I said, people want to follow a good leader. Mm -hmm. Why would people want to follow you? Mm -hmm. And that's something we all ought to think about. Um, mm -hmm. When, again, and I think that's one thing that, Sometimes the insecure people are fearful of doing is putting themselves out there. Mm. How am I acting? Tell me what you're seeing. You're going to see things that I don't see. Why would people want to follow me? What kind of example am I putting out there? What kind of example am I? Translate that. That was a personal situation easily translatable over to a business environment. Mm. What if I went to my people and said, sometimes I have a tendency to do this right, type right. of thing. When I do that, I realize that's not productive. That doesn't take this organization or this group forward. I encourage you to call me on. Mm. I invite that. Right, right. And when you do, I'm going to be receptive. I'm going to listen to what you say. And listening and hearing are two different things. Yes. Yes. You know, exactly. So I want to truly listen to it and I want to be able to move forward. No, that's powerful. That's really good. I, I think you're right. I think, you know, leaders, it's just like, um, you know, being a father, being a, a parent, you know, our, our children are going to follow not so much what we say, but what we do. And, uh, yes. and are we setting the, the, the best example for our people by how we treat them and how we act in, in the organization? I always say, if you want to, you know, if you want people to be on time to meetings, you need to be on time to meetings. If you want people Absolutely. to wear, wear their protective equipment, you need to wear your protective equipment. And and what we do, how we behave, actually ref, is reflected in, in our people and our teams. And they'll do, they do what, what they're seeing, what they see their leaders doing. And I like what you said, you know, that people want to follow a good leader. And then the question is, why would people follow you? It's a really yes. good question. Yes. Absolutely. I used to tell people one of the things I was also a safety director of the corporation. Okay. But one of the many hats I wore, and I used to tell individuals all the time, personal protective equipment, if you want your people to do it, then you do not yes. do this behavior without required personal protective equipment. Right. There's no such right. thing as, well, I'm the leader, I'm not going to get hurt. You know, I know what I'm doing. Right, right, right. Those other excuses that we tell ourselves. You mentioned a while ago that uh, being an officer on the submarine, mm. being close to people is the same thing right now 
with this uh, COVID nineteen, right. and and us being sequestered in place, then we're going to be with our children and with our spouses and so forth more than maybe we ever have. Right. And we're going to maybe see some things. And there was a statement that is in my book. I really wanted to get um, hear what you say about, think about within leadership and so forth. Being that close, I'm sure you saw a lot of behaviors. Oh, yeah. yeah. You saw some things that people that weren't close to them maybe never saw. Right. And we are always getting that input, but it doesn't mean I have to focus. Again, whatever I focus on expands. We look look forward, we look toward and become like that which we think about. Mm. All the things that that I focus on is about looking within. Um, I'm working on another book right now. And the title of that book is Life by Steps. Looking within to grow beyond. Mm. And it's about looking in. People go to self-help books or they go to some things and they want to know why. Because well, here's what I can do to impact this other person. I had a client told me one time, he called me and he offered me a lot of money. He says, what I want you to do is to, I want to try to get my girlfriend to be so-and-so and do mm-hmm. so-and-so. And can you help me do that? And I said, <laughs> um, Martin, I'm sorry. That's not what I do. You, I'm sure you can find somebody to help you, but it's not me. Because if it's like I had a client one time look at me and say that um, he wanted to work on saving his marriage. And after I talked with him for a while, I said, okay, I'll, I'll be happy to work with you with certain conditions. And one of the first is going to be that we will never have a conversation about your wife. Mm. And he asked me, he said, well, how are we going to do that? I said, because we're going to focus on only the words, behaviors, and actions that are in your control and those of yours. Mm. I want you to work on yourself. Forget about anybody else. Work on yourself. Because you're always going to come out the other side better regardless. I said, I can't tell you you're going to. I, can't, I don't know what's happening with your marriage. And I can't guarantee you're going to save your marriage. Mm. But I can tell you is that you'll be better because of all this. Turns out he did save his marriage and everything went well. But if you would, just listen, just because you are aware of are sensitive to what you perceive as flaws in the other person, this should never stop you from expressing your sincere appreciation for the things that you admire and appreciate mm. and appreciate about them. Remember what we focus on expands. So I'm sure you had the opportunity to see witness many flaws in other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then you choose what you focus on. Right, right. Now, how how would that work in the environment of a of a submarine? Well, you know, that's the, the one the one the one thing that everyone had going for them, and I think you know, a submarine is kind of unique. Is that once you became qualified as a submariner, you you had a you wore your dolphins on you had a pin as a dolphin okay. said you're a qualified submariner, and so I think at that point, you know. We had everyone had their flaws, right? But but everybody knew that you were a submariner. So you you had the you had achieved a certain level of um, expertise. So I knew you had my back, right? When, wow, when things okay. went bad, I knew that you had dolphins on your chest, which meant you were going to back me up, and we were going to back each other up. So even if we didn't agree with each other, even if we lost. Uh, got in an emotional because because it, it was a very high stress environment. We would have emotional 
uh, discussions, if you will. But we always go back to this is that you're a submariner and you have my back and I have your back. And so we are always reminded that despite all the, you know, we each are different. You know, we call, we came from all areas of the country and all different backgrounds and, you know, uh, all different you know, fans of different sports teams. And so we had all these differences, but yet that dolphin on the chest was, that was our, that was meant that you were my brother. And, uh, and okay. now, now of course, sisters, uh, there's women on submarines now, but back then it was all men and you were my brother and I had your back, you had my back. And, and that was something that uh, was kind of a unifying force that we had, which you don't necessarily see so much in, in corporate world too much. You know, I, yeah. I always tell people that the enemy is outside the four walls. I try to remind them that the people that are trying to uh, hurt us are the competitors or the, you know, the, whatever, but it's not, it's not inside. It's not engineering. It's not uh, QA. It's, it's, we're on the same team and trying to remind each other that we're all, you know, we don't have dolphins on our chest, but we're all, you know, we have the peak demand logo, my company on our chest. right? So. <laughs> so. Yes. I, you know, I really appreciate that. And I, 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 I like that. And it, you brought to mind an example I had uh, early in my career when I was working with an organization and they had different divisions. It was interesting how there's a lot of people who are very competitive by nature. Right. Right. And they, they want to compete. And as I begin to look at this, one division was competing against the other. And I remember one time there was a district manager and I had noticed something and I shared it with him and I thought this is going to be really good to spread out. And he mentioned it during the meeting, and I happened to be there. And I was so embarrassed, I felt so bad for him, because as soon as he brought it up, the vice president of that region said, I don't want to hear what anybody else is doing. Don't you share what we're doing with anybody else. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. They had pitted each division against the other. And it's like they were competing inside. Well, there were different talents and different vice presidents will have different skills and talents. Right. Why not take the best of what you've got, share it with all the others, because your competitors, as you've said, they're not within the walls here. Right. That's the outside. Exactly. Yeah. And it's amazing how that got turned inward. Yeah. So yeah. tower management, you know, here's my little tower, and here's yours over here, and they're different little towers. Well, no, they're not. <laughs> right, right. We're all part of the same same organization. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, tell, tell us a little bit about your book, why you wrote it, and um, how people can, can find it. Okay. Um, the first book, Successful Relationships, Sharing Simple Behaviors That Bring Results. Again, I looked at all my notes, and, and again, everything that I saw was so daggone complicated. I remember in graduate school, you wrote a book that's supposed to have all these little footnotes and all these other things. And I did not want that. I wanted a straightforward book, something that somebody could pick up. And in relationships was a perfect way to get started. Mm-hmm. So successful relationships is, even though it is, there's a huge focus there on between and people have interpreted it as just couples. We know the principles apply across the board. And people can buy this through, they can order it through uh, Amazon, through Books a Million, through any of your, your major things. Uh, if anybody wants a, uh, an autographed copy, I'm happy to do that. Okay. Of course, that would need to come from me. And you can, my email address is L. Williamson. If you could put this maybe up in the blog or something. Yeah, I'll put this L. all in the show notes. Yep. Okay. L. Williamson 
at anchoredvalues.com. Okay. Uh, some of the blogs I've got are at www.anchoredvalues.com. Uh, it is, again, from the premise that we have a tendency to complicate things far more mm. than they need to be. And relationships are far less complicated than we've ever been told. They're a lot easier than we really think they are mm. if we learn what we can focus on and how we can impact those relationships in a proper way. That is going to come from you, not from your partner. Mm. That's so great. look at it within yourself. I'm working on another book right now, Life by Steps, Looking Within to Grow Beyond. And it's going to be a lot of the similar things, but from a much broader perspective. That's that's fantastic. And that is how do you grow? And again, leadership in the mirror is a concept that I used to talk about all the time. And I used to ask people, I said, if you want to really see what's holding you back, if you want to really determine what's happening to you, I can tell you where to go. <laughs> to the bathroom. And why? Most bathrooms have mirrors. Go yeah. and take a good look at yourself. You're the one holding yourself back. Yeah, yeah. Limits, for the most part, are self-imposed. Mm-hmm. When we can learn about ourselves and, and quit focusing so much on ourselves and focus on the others, there is no limit to what we can accomplish. That's really good. It's really powerful. This is this has been this has been really good insight, Larry. I really appreciate it. I think, you know, I talk a lot about people and relationships in in the work that I do, and I think you're you're taking it to to another level, and I really appreciate that. So I am going to put links uh, to your book, your website, on the show notes. Everybody can uh, take a look and get that those resources. So I encourage everyone that's listening to take a look at. Um, uh, Larry's website, this book, um, it's called Successful Relationships, Sharing Simple Behaviors That Bring Results. And I think there's some powerful uh, content there and things that you can take and you can apply and you can see instant impact in your relationships. So it's about focusing on yourself, not so much focusing on how you're going to change others, but how are you going to change yourself? And that's right. really powerful. So um, yeah, there's a lot of good material in this podcast, so um, I really appreciate all of your insight. I think that uh, I took away a lot of things like um, the idea that everybody's different. We have to accept them. We have to understand them. That's really important. Uh, that um, I really like what you talked about, that you can't, um, you know, you, you can't motivate others, but you can only help people motivate themselves. And I think that's yeah. something that I never realized, but I think that's a powerful, just that little nugget right there. Help people, you know, what, how do you communicate with people to where they motivate themselves? I think that's a yeah. powerful, uh, powerful little uh, lesson right there. So, and then, Thanks, John, um, and that's, and that's part again, get out of looking at yourself, you yeah. know, look at yourself to study that, but learn to appreciate those differences that somebody else brings. Yep. And if anybody wants to, grow themselves and begin to look at this, uh, contact me through email. And again, as a coach, I, I delight in working with other people and watching people grow and create successes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really powerful stuff. And Larry's a great resource. We're going to put all the links out there. And uh, leaders, you know, Larry said it, if you want to, people want to follow a good leader, and the question is, you know, why do people want to follow you? 
So you have to ask that, ask yourself that tough question. Why do people want to follow you? If they want to follow a good leader, you know, so what can you do or what can you be or what do you, what do you have to do to be a great leader? So good, good stuff, Larry. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, John. And I, and I too have learned a lot in hearing what you have said through this process and, um, and I will put into practice those things as well. So thank you very much. <laughs> We're always learning, right? Always, always. Always learning. It's a lifelong process. It really is. It really is. Well, thank, that's it for today. So thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.